Welcome to the Ecclesia Global Podcast, where we believe in the sovereign move of the Lord to reform the church and the spheres of society globally. So we were in the vein this morning. That's why I'm so glad that Pastor Autumn went and and broke it open because uh, there's a war going on. Hallelujah. And we are at war. And coming into the house of the Lord and not allowing God to break out and break through. Hallelujah. We can become casualties of war. And we don't need any needless casualties of war. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all power and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but are mighty through God till the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Lord, we thank you right now for your grace and your mercy. We thank you right now for even an open heaven. We thank you right now for meeting us here, oh God. And we ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would have your way, that the word falls on good ground, that you move Tyra completely out of the way, oh God, and you do everything you need to do in here. We bind the spirit of distraction and everything that will come and try to hinder the word of God, and we lose liberty in Christ right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you right now, and we give you glory in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you have already heard, and I know I've said it several times, and our apostle says it, and you know it, um, we are at war. And there's an ongoing war between the kingdom of light, God's kingdom, and the kingdom of darkness. And I want to specify God's kingdom when we talk about the kingdom of light, because there are some other organizations and entities that think that they have the light. Hallelujah. But Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the light. Hallelujah. Amen. This war is between good and evil, and the stakes are high. And although you may not be able to see bullets flying and, and all of those things happening, I'm sure you can feel the impacts of it, and you know that it's very real. We have been engrafted into this war, so it's imperative to understand exactly what that means. According to uh, Merriam-Webster, war is defined as a state of usually open and declared armed hostile conflict between states or nations. 
an organized effort by a government or other large organization to stop or defeat something that is viewed as dangerous or bad. We are part of the nation of Jesus Christ. His kingdom is at war, and so are we. So our, our subject, our topic, our title today is, I am armed and extremely dangerous. Look at your neighbor and say, I am armed and extremely dangerous. And then tell them, and I have weapons, and I'm not afraid to use them. Hallelujah. So when we're in here today, and we was such a heaviness in here, it was a war even then. Hallelujah, Jesus. But I thank God because we broke through in here with the weapons of our warfare. Hallelujah. I don't know if I'm going to make it through all of this. Hallelujah. Because we understand that our warfare, they're not carnal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So wars, wars, wars are deadly. Wars are costly. But wars are also strategic. Your enemy will not ease up nor fight fear. They have this saying that all is fear and love in war. Well, when it comes down to war, there's no, there are no rules. You use what you have to get the, the uh, battle and the war won. Amen? And the enemy is not going to play fair. He's not going to, you don't feel good today? That's not when he's going to let up. He's going to actually bring all hell to knock you while you're down. So it's important even when you don't feel like it to give God your best praise. Hallelujah. Holly, you can't come into the house of God and no matter what's on your mind and what's plaguing you and what's vexing you and into the place where there is healing, where there is deliverance, where there is manifestation and where there is strength. And we can't come into the strength and walk out without strength, walk out defeated. So it's imperative to come in and always coming in. I have to refuel, refill, uh, re-up re my artillery because I'm fighting this war. Amen. Amen. So your enemy, they're not going to fight fear. So it's vital that we are armed with the proper tools in order to survive. To be clear, the victory has already been won. It has already been secured. There's only one victor coming out of this war, the kingdom of light and everyone who's on the Lord's side. So we're not highlighting the enemy, but we're doing what uh, the Bible says. We're educating ourselves as we're told in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, we are not ignorant concerning his devices. So we're arming ourselves with the word of God, which tells us how to fight in this war. Now, there's, there are many kinds of wars and warfare. There's cold war, you have uh, religious wars, you have economic wars, and then you have uh, economic warfare, you have guerrilla warfare, and today we're talking about psychological warfare. Hallelujah. And I turn to uh, Elder Shirley I said, you gotta pray, because it's, it's interesting in here right now. And the enemy likes to employ his tactics and for many of the children of God, he'll start something right before it's time to go to church. Right before it's time to come and give God what's due to him. He'll put that one thing in front of you so when you come in, that's the one thing that's on your mind. That's psychological warfare. Various techniques and psychological warfare, things that are done to make someone, such as an enemy or opponent, and we are Satan's enemy. He's not our friend. He doesn't love us. It makes, us, it makes the person become less confident or feel hopeless and afraid, defeated. Have, have, does that sound familiar? Various techniques are used and are aimed at influencing a great target, uh, influencing a target's audience value system, belief system, 
emotions, motives, reasonings, or behavior. It is used to uh, get the enemy to uh, follow and uh, submit to the enemy, the, uh, their opponent's will. And so there are many tactics that they use. And the, the, one of the most devious kinds is psychological warfare. Because if you're not careful, you don't even know that it's happening. It's used to destroy the morale of the enemies through tactics that aim to depress troops' psychological states. Now, about at least, I'm giving my age, but I'm about to be 50, so I'm celebrating. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something, that was psychological warfare by itself. <laughs> hallelujah, because on my, my mama's side of the family, uh, the, they, the good died young, hallelujah. But I told the Lord, uh-uh, we're breaking that cycle. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah, Jesus. So every chance the enemy got, he would say, well, you know, this one died, and this one didn't make it, and this one didn't make it. I said, well, you know, guess who's making it? Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. So when you recognize his tactics and his warfare, you have to be ready with your own. Hallelujah. So when you say you put it all in his hand and you trust God, it's easy to trust him when there's nothing going on. But true trust in someone is when you have options not to trust. Hallelujah. And when you have option to listen to the voice of the enemy instead of the voice of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to myself. Y'all can join in, but I'm preaching to myself this morning. Hallelujah. So over about 25 years ago, someone gave me the, uh, told me to get this book, and it was called The Art of War by Sung Tzu. Zhu. And when I read it, I was just coming into like my professional life. So at the time, I didn't really know how valuable it was. And then as I began to um, encounter real people outside of my mama's house, hallelujah, and how people really were, I realized somebody else read that book too. Amen. So I decided in recent years to go back to the book, and I see a common trend or theme in this book. Everything to be, seems to be based on strategy, knowing yourself, and knowing your enemy, and knowing when and how to engage. When we look at spiritual warfare, the same rules apply. As Christians, we have the advantage because we've already won. We have gone on our, God on our side, and we know the victory has been secured. However, we need the guard to guard the gates of our minds so the enemy doesn't trick us out of what is rightfully ours. I was recently speaking to my brother about salvation and the end times where we're in, and I began to tell him how that the war is between, it's, it's not about us. I said, it's between the kingdom of God and his enemies. And I said, we just happen to be a part, we've been, you were born, so you kind of drafted into it. And I was telling him that, you know, if you're looking at the signs of the time, you read the book of Revelation that the enemy knows that he doesn't have much time left. So right now he is letting off everything to try to pull with him anybody and how many people he can pull because he knows what his end is. And so I went into prayer and the Lord began to speak to me and he says, tell the people to guard their minds. He says the war is psychological and people are not using the right weapons. So after I prayed and I sat and I listened and God began to speak some more, he says, the battle is won or lost in the mind well before you ever engage in combat. And so if you thinking in your mind already that I can't do this and I'm, I'm defeated and I'm not going to make it, you've already prophesied to yourself just that. But tell Tamani today we're going to change that. Amen. It's one thing to be in a war, and it's another thing to be in a war and not properly armed to fight. 
it's even more dangerous to be in a possession of the most powerful tools and weapons and your enemy knows how to use them more than you do. Hallelujah. Amen. If we're walking around proclaiming the name of Christ, hallelujah, we have the most powerful weapon there is. Hallelujah. If we have the word of God, we have the most powerful weapon there is. But if we don't know the word of God and what the word says and how do we engage and the enemy knows it better than us, then we're kind of we're in danger because he's going to use our own weapon against us. Amen. We've heard these sayings, uh, fake it till you make it. Uh, don't look like what you're going through. Put blinders on like horses do so you can't see what's going on you. But some of these things we have been told, either we've told someone or someone has told us in order to preserve dignity in the battle. I'm going to be honest. There's sometimes I have looked exactly what I was going through. Hallelujah. But the one thing about it, I was going through and I wasn't stuck. Hallelujah. So whatever way I looked, the enemy looked worse than I did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the fact of the matter is that people fake it so long until they believe the fakeness and never uh, pursue greatness and being genuine. They dress up what they're going through so much until they become numb to the numb to the fact that they're actually going through and that they're in pain and it, they bec it becomes normalized to feel pain and they never seek to come out or get the help that they need because they're so used to feeling the pain that they pain they're feeling. Social media has so many people trying to impress people who don't even care about you. They don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in and don't even have a pot or a window to throw the water out of, hallelujah. But people spend so much time trying to impress people who really don't even matter. Trying to impress people who are struggling to make it just like you are. Trying to impress people who are just hanging on by the skin of their teeth just like you are, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if we want to impress anybody, let's impress the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, I don't know the numbers, but it was uh, some stats were put out that there had been more uh, rise in uh, depression and oppression and all of these negative feelings as um, with people on social media because they get caught up on what someone else's life looks like and they begin to question their own their selves and not realize that it's just a, it's social media it's like another form of entertainment hallelujah hallelujah so we can't get caught up in that people put blinders on to stay focused but then are blindsided because they forget about what they can't see just because the horses have blinders on when they're racing, it doesn't mean they're not aware that somebody else is racing beside them. So it's important, even when we're putting our blinders on to stay focused, we are not ignorant about where we are and what we're going through and what's up against us. Amen? Amen. But the thing about it is, psychological warfare didn't just start with us. It had to start with Satan. I want to say it had to start up in heaven. Because he was able to convince a third of the angels to buy into his concept. What could he have possibly said to them to convince them that his way was better than God's way? What leverage did he have? What tools did he use? Revelation 12 and 7, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So scripture tells us that his insurgents didn't work in heaven, and he was kicked out and used those same strategies on earth with Mother Eve playing those mind games. 
deceived even Adam out of what was rightfully theirs, and he's doing the same thing today. We can receive a prophetic word, we can hear what God has to say, and we can be told everything that God needs to tell us, but then we go on and the enemy will say one thing, and wipe you forget everything that you just heard. He'll do one thing, he'll throw one thing your way, and sometimes it's something that you knew was there. He just reminded you of that one thing. Why is his voice so much louder than the voice of God? Hallelujah. We know he's a liar. He's a father of lies. Amen. So we need to learn um, from Eve, learn what happened um, based on what happened with Adam and Eve. Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. The serpents were wise cunning and crafty, shrewd. In other words, when dealing with wolves, have your eyes wide open. Don't be naive. Stay woke, but be harmless. Make sure your mind is sharp. Beth Moore states, make no mistake, Satan's specialty is psychological warfare. If he can turn us on our God, when we say it's not fair and we blame God for when we're going through things, if he could turn us on others, it's their fault. If he can turn us on ourselves, I'm so stupid, I'm not worth anything, then we won't turn on him because we're, we're making enemies out of people and things we shouldn't make enemies out of. If we keep fighting within ourselves and losing our own inner battles, we'll never have enough strength to stand up and fight our true enemy. So then we spend our time fighting God, fighting others, fighting ourselves, and we never deal with the real enemy, the devil. Let's go back to the scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians. He says, for though we walk, we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. This is perhaps one of our biggest challenges because the flesh is what we see. This is also what the enemy wants us to focus on. As long as we are focused on the flesh, we are ignoring the spirit man. On those same lines, when the flesh does something against us, we go after the flesh instead of addressing the spirit that's behind it. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We don't fight with guns, knives, and evil words. Our weapons are mighty through God and his word, his power. Our weapons are strong through God and God alone. So we don't have to cuss anybody out. Hallelujah. We don't have to say, well, that's just how I am. We need to be how Jesus is. We need to stop making excuses about the old man, hallelujah, because when we are in Christ, we are a new creature, hallelujah. All right, I know I hit something somewhere, but that's all right. Stop cussing. So the pulling down of strongholds, strongholds are places of fortified thought. Listen, I went through some hell to get this word, so y'all gonna get every ounce of what I had to go through. Because if, if I'm talking about psychological warfare, I had to go through some. Back to back to back. And come out. Hallelujah. So the pulling down of strongholds, places, uh, strongholds we know are places of fortified thoughts. Every thought that opposes Christ. Every paradigm that has convinced us that we know better than God. Every pain that we've allowed to turn into bitterness and unforgiveness. We create fortresses to protect ourselves or as coping mechanisms, and they are the very things that keep us from being totally free and even seeking deliverance. Those strongholds that we become comfortable with because they've become a safe haven for us. Some of these strongholds feel good, so we'd rather keep a hold 
on the stronghold than to allow God to penetrate our hearts and deal with the hurt, the pain, the rejection, the trauma, those things, because those things do create strongholds. Strongholds are a part of the psychological warfare that the enemy uses to keep us bound and relying on him instead of God. Some of our bad habits, our repetitive, unprotective cycles and seasons are not necessarily from demon possession, but minds that have not been submitted to God. Romans 7.25 says, um, Paul says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So if it is with the mind that I serve the Lord, it is with the mind that the battle has to be won. How we think determines how we act. It determines how we treat each other. It determines how we treat ourselves, how we treat our finances, how we treat our children, how we treat our, our spouses, how we treat the things of God, how we treat God, how we treat our relationship with God. Our thoughts and our hearts are intertwined. Proverbs 23, 7 says, a man, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the brain tells the heart what to feel by what it allows in. That's why the Lord says we have to guard the gates to our minds. Proverbs 24, 3, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issue of life. You ever hear somebody mad and they tell you how they really feel? That's how they really feel. Hallelujah. They can apologize all they want to, but what came out right through there is what they really meant to say. Perhaps they didn't mean to say it, say it that way, but that's what they wanted you to know. Hallelujah. Philippians 4 and 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We know that for every problem, Jesus gave us a solution. Amen, amen, amen. So Isaiah 26 and 3, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. So it's one thing to think and keep your mind on the Lord, but you won't have the peace if you don't trust him. That's the part that we leave off. He says, I would keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. I'm thinking about him, I'm thinking about him, but I don't trust him. So my mind is still in turmoil. I'm still going through trauma. I'm still dealing with the hurt and the pain because I don't trust God to take care of it. Hallelujah. So it's not enough to say my mind is focused on him, but my trust has to be put in him. And like I said, it's easy to trust when you don't have anything to worry about. But true trust shows up when you have options not to trust. When you have options to trust in that bottle and as opposed to trusting in the Lord. When you have options to trust in those pills as opposed to trusting in the Lord. Then we know where the trust lies. Hallelujah. Psychological warfare. So even with the strategies of the enemy, God has provided us with our own weapons. Our job is to stay armed. Hallelujah. You can't put your armor down because you're having a bad day. You can't put your armor down because a family member died. You can't put your armor down for any reason at all. Because at that moment when your armor is down, a gate is open and you're open for attack. And not only are you open for attack, anybody that you were assigned to guard is now open for an attack. Hallelujah. So the enemy wants to disarm you. But God tells us in Ephesians 6 to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. So if we are warring against the flesh, it will be easy. We see the target, touch the target, tackle the target. We could just knock them out, do whatever we need to do. For those of us who are from the hood, we know, you know how to handle a target. Hallelujah. However, this verse is telling us that we are not wrestling against mortal men. That we're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so our weapons requires special weapons and tactics. Now, I love SWAT. That's what that is, SWAT. And what I love about SWAT teams is because they're precision. And they train and they train and they train hard. And they expect the unexpected, and they train for that too. Their tactics are sometimes unconventional. They don't run from the enemy, but they have a plan to subdue the enemy. So when everybody is running out of a building, you'll see a SWAT coming into the building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They don't, when, when one of theirs gets attacked, they don't sit around talking about that person. They're coming up with a plan on how to go back at the enemy for attacking one of their zones. Uh, we could take some notes from that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they are armed and they are dangerous. Well, we are soldiers in the most prestigious army there is. We are soldiers in God's army. And so the soldiers go out under intense training because they understand that lives are hanging in the balance. It is imperative for us that we have on the whole armor of God because we are indeed the, on the front line of this battle. Amen. And so today, I know it says the whole armor, but today I want to focus on the helmet of salvation, since we are talking about psychological warfare. And I'm almost done. Ephesians 6 and 17, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, a helmet, a covering, or enclosing headpiece of ancient or medieval armor. Any of various protective head coverings, usually made of a hard material to resist impact. Armor for the head. So the headshot, when someone gets shot in the head, there may be a 5% survival rate. And if they do, there's a 3% decent quality of life rate. So when someone wants to take someone out, they take a headshot. That's why it's important to cover our headship. Because when anyone wants to take out new life, he's not coming for the baby, he's coming after the head. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's, it's impossible to be a part of anything and say, I want it to work and not cover the headship. Yeah. How do you know when they say, when mama's not happy, nobody's happy? Yeah. When the head of the house is not happy, nobody's happy? So when the head gets attacked, you know when you got a head hurt, you don't want to deal with nothing. You don't want to deal with nobody. Don't turn the lights on. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. So the enemy comes at the head and we have to be on our guard. We have to be armed. We have to be ready. Hallelujah. Amen. So we know that the helmet of salvation protects our head and our mind from the powerful blows of the enemy. We know that he targets our minds because if he can get our minds, he can get our hearts. And if he can get our hearts, then he will do, he, we will do his work for him. See somebody with a wicked heart, with an evil heart, with a bitter heart, you could do the devil's work because God is not in there. Let's give God a hand praise. So the helmet of our salvation, our salvation is our deliverance from sin and its consequences. If this is our helmet and we keep this, then the enemy cannot lure us or entice us away from what God has already provided to us. 
our hope is in Christ. It is in our salvation. And if the enemy can destroy our hope in Christ, he has us. So we can allow him to get to our head and our hope in Christ. When attackers attack, they go after the head. If they can damage the brain, they can get away with their crime because the damage would be so severe that no one could testify or identify them. Bullies often use psychological warfare. I can't stand a bully. They often use psychological warfare. Abusers use psychological warfare. You cannot effectively go into battle and expect to survive if you do not have on the helmet of salvation. The battle gets tough, we get tired, we suffer some blows, we must have the armor to keep us from dying. Navy, Navy SEALs, those are my other ones, I, I, love, I love them. They're a little crazy, but I love them. But the Navy SEALs, which are the most elite military team there is, have consistently said the physical training is not what separates them from everybody else. It is the mental training and fortitude. The psychological training separates those who go on to become Navy SEALs uh, from those who don't make it. In God's, God's army, the enemy is cunning and has been around a lot longer than all of us. He has studied us and the generations before us. So he knows our strengths, he knows our weaknesses, he knows our triggers, he knows our proclivities. Well, Pastor T, what does all that have to do with us? How do we expect to win? We already won. I'm just informing us the tactics so we can be aware so we don't get tricked up. But we already won. But now we're expected to behave like winners. I don't want to say actors because we're not performers. We behave like winners, like we've already won, and like we serve the God who's already won. Hallelujah. We train our minds to withstand the schemes of the enemy. We need to be able to see what's coming before it gets here. That requires a prayer life. That's one of our weapons. Being able to hear from God and the others who he has given jurisdiction over you. Take the no and keep on serving. Get all the junk out of your heart so you can actually receive the correction, the direction, and the impartation. Because there will be no new wine in old wineskin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We must understand that even in times of peace, we are keeping our armor polished and our weapons clean. I see uh, Deacon Andre is here. I was thinking about him because he's in a branch of the military called the Reserve. So even when they're not in war and it's times of peace, he has to go out every month and do some training and make sure that he's ready for whatever pops off if he needs to be ready. Amen? Amen. And so we have the reserve and then we have the active army. Those units are made to be deployed around the world anytime, but they're always ready. So there are many different branches to the military. One thing about they all have the same assignment. Be ye also ready. Hallelujah. And so we all have the same assignment. Be ye also ready. We understand that we are at war. We understand that the enemy hates us. We know that God loves us and God has equipped us. So our job is to be ready for whatever might come. Hallelujah. And every so often we need to throw the first blow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what good armies and good soldiers do when they're not fighting, they are training to fight. They are preparing to fight. They are ensuring that everyone that they come in contact knows that they will do whatever they need to do by any means necessary because I'm going home today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as Christians, we understand that we are never off duty. We're never off the clock. 
We are never off our assignment. The enemy never stops and we can't either. Even your seasons that we call sweatless victories, we must still be alert and attentive. We must be armed and ready. Hallelujah. An unarmed soldier is danger, a danger to himself and everybody around him. And I'll tell you why, because as a soldier in your uniform, people are expecting you to be strapped. Hallelujah. So they're going to handle you in a way as if you are strapped. And if you don't have the weapon that you need, you're putting yourself and everybody else in harm's way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now, where am I going? I'm wrapping this up now. So we know that the enemy's uh, attacks and his attempts are for our mind, to get our mind off Christ. But those whose mind are stayed on Jesus, he will keep them in perfect peace as long as we are trusting in him. John 10 and 10 tells us that the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. And we understand that this is not just a natural death. That would be too easy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal what God has already given you. He wants to steal your peace of mind. He wants to steal your anointing, your economy, your marriage, your children. He wants to steal your opportunity to receive what God has promised you. Anything that he can take, he wants to take. Which is why in 1 Timothy 1 and 18, it says God charged Timothy to wage the good war using the prophecies over his life. We must do the same thing. Victory results when we use the prophetic words spoken over our lives and our family lives as weapons to wage in spiritual warfare. If God says we must war over the prophetic words of our lives, then that means we need to war over the prophetic words over our lives. We need to take ownership over what he has spoken to ensure nothing interferes with the manifestation of it. Amen? Amen. Satan uses mind games to try to steal what God has already given us. Now, a thief can steal what you don't have, can't steal what you don't have. A good thief won't steal nothing of value. So if he's coming to you, you must have something of value. And sometimes he will come and try to convince you that of what you have has no value so you won't hold on to it. So if we go back to looking Eve in the Garden of Eden, she had access to everything. Why couldn't she be satisfied with what God had already said about not touching the other tree? She couldn't see the value in all the other stuff that God had given her because she was focused on the one thing that he said no to. And that's what the enemy does. He'll let your attention be on the one thing God said, don't go there, instead of everything that God said yes to and he's blessed you with. What was in her that caused her to trust the one who steals over the one who provides? What has God given you to, that you undervalue because it doesn't look like what someone else has? What assignment did God give you that you haven't been a great steward over because it's not the same assignment that someone else has? The body of Christ is measuring uh, their value by the world's standards and are mishandling what God has given them. Singles don't value the time of singleness. You, you better. <laughs> Married folks don't value a good spouse. Children don't value good parents until they're gone. Members don't value a good leader. Leaders don't value good members. It's easy. It's easy to steal from you when you don't value what you have. You don't take care of it, so you don't guard it, so somebody else will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How did that pastor leave that church after all them years? They didn't value what they had. 
Then he set you up for the kill. So he done stole, now he set you up for the kill. You've lost what was rightfully yours, so now you look dejected, rejected, depressed, and mad. Now we see all these statuses on Facebook because you're mad because you lost something because you was worried about somebody else's. Hallelujah. Pastor CJ said, put on your cape and put super mad. He's killing your hope. He's killing your esteem. He's killing your drive. He's using all of his weapons to kill those things that are supposed to help us go. And then his, he, then his job is to destroy. Now you've been peaked on the other side of the fence. He's destroying your home, your family, your church, your economy, your jobs. And then he goes on about the business because he leaves you for dead. What I love about the part two of that scripture says, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You don't have to fall for the mind games that the enemy has because Jesus promises to give you life and that more abundantly. Whatever the enemy tries to give you or promise you, you can guarantee that God has better. Hallelujah. So we must be armed and extremely dangerous with the weapons that we are not afraid to use. How do I arm myself, Pastor T? Number one, you need the Holy Spirit. He says, but you shall receive power. Power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. So you need power to stand when the enemy comes in against you like a flood. You need power to fight. You can't be afraid to pull out your weapons. Power. 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 Hallelujah. Do you have power in here? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Then you have to arm yourself with prayer because the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Hallelujah, Jesus. So if you're righteous and you pray and you're fervent, you will avail. Hallelujah. That's the second part of how you arm yourself. Then you need the word of God. The word of God. For the word of God is a living and active thing. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and of the marrows. Hallelujah, Jesus. The word of God. There is truth in the word of God. There is deliverance in the word of God. God's word does not fail. It cannot fail. It will not fail. Come on and give God a hand praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are saved, it is the power of God. I told Apostle the other day, he got into my message. Because we need the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood that cleanses, the blood that purifies, the blood that washes, the blood that delivers, the blood that sets free, the blood of Jesus. There's nothing like the blood. There's power in the blood. There's healing in the blood. There's thanksgiving in the blood. There's deliverance in the blood. There's life in the blood. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Sometimes we don't know how powerful the blood is. But the enemy knows. That's why they do blood sacrifices. But they got the wrong blood. The blood of Jesus. What can wash me? 
Oh, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious, oh, precious is the flower. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you have the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood. There's healing in the blood. There's victory in the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. And that's why we need to put on the whole armor. The whole armor. The whole armor, Shekha. Masurebebebe Shekha. And then we have to be obedient to Christ. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Oh, Shekha You want to know how to win? Resist the devil. It may mean you need to change the music you're listening to. You need to change what you're watching on television. You need to change who you confide in. You need to change who you're dating. You need to change who you're talking to. You need to change your car so you can resist the devil because he has to flee. But he won't flee if you're in bed with him. He won't flee if you're in covenant with him. He won't flee if you're talking to him. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb, because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when facing death. When you have the option to choose something other than God, you choose God. You choose God. You choose God. Because for God I live and for God I die. He is the one. He is my keeper. He is my redeemer. He is my savior. He is my counselor. He is my doctor. He is my lawyer. He is my lover. He's my best friend. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. So I'm armed and I'm extremely dangerous. I have weapons and I'm not afraid to use them. Hallelujah. Give God some praise. Give God some praise. Lift up your voice. Oh, ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah, Jesus. Because we've already won. We've already won. We've already won. Sharpen up your weapons. Sharpen up your weapons. Hallelujah. 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 God, we bless you. God, we bless you. Hallelujah. Whoa, my so
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Life will put you in a situation where they said fight or flight. I'm not running. I'm not running for what God has promised me. I'm not giving up what God has given me. I've gone through too much hell. Oh, Too many battle scars. I've shed too many tears. I will not, Shaka, give up. I will not turn around. I will not back down. That's why I am armed and I'm extremely dangerous. I have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Everything he thought he could touch, he touched, and I'm still standing. Mama's gone, but I'm still here. Sister's gone, but I'm still here. Oh, God. And I'm armed. Because I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. When the war is over, I'm still standing. Because you only have two options. You're going to die or fight. What do you choose? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'd rather fight than switch. I'd rather fight than switch sides. I'd rather fight than switch gods. Oh, masoko yebesheka, yebaso rebebesheka, ha masoko. I took too many lumps. I took too many bruises. I'm fighting them, masaka. Hosheka. Let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Hosheka baba surebebesia. So as it says in the word of God, who you got a prophet, not if, we all have prophetic words hanging over our lives. We all have the promises of God hanging over our lives. Now is not the time to put your sword down. Now is not the time to take your helmet off. Now is the time to polish up your armor. Make sure you have on the helmet of salvation. Make sure you have on the belt of truth. Hallelujah, Jesus. The breastplate of righteousness. Hallelujah, Jesus. Put on the whole armor. So when the enemy comes, you're able to stand. You're able to fight. You're able to conquer. Let's give God a hand praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening to the Ecclesia Global Podcast, where once again, we believe in the sovereign move of the Lord to reform the church and the spheres of society globally. We'll see you next time.